You're listening to Brazen Bookworms, Unrighteous Reading Rebellion, a reformed book snob's journey and musings through all things romance. Some language may not be safe for all ears. Frequent use of sarcasm may occur. Oh, we are so excited to have LJ Evans uh, with us today. And we are chatting all things Painted Daisies and probably some other stuff too, because, you know, I like to tell people that we go off the rails when in, in reality, there are no rails. We just kind of do what we do. So um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, we're the Stalker Sisters. People, if you don't know that by now, people, where have you been? But anyway, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> so joining us tonight, is LJ Evans, who is one of our favorite authors and has this wonderful new series release. And we're super excited to have you here. So take a minute and introduce yourself. Um, tell us about uh, who you are, what you write, what you do. The floor is yours. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here with you guys. And you guys are always so wonderful. So I'm really appreciative of your time and having, letting me be here with you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I am LJ Evans. I write contemporary romance with lots of heart and a little bit of steam. <laughs> and I write a lot of different genres within contemporary romance, but mostly romantic suspense and, and straight contemporary romance. I think that's pretty much like who I am. <laughs> yeah. You do have a really, really vast um backlist of different subgenres and different tropes and you've done you know i've read a lot of things everything from the rock stars to um, sure. rock stars protector there's romantic suspense some cowboys um there's a little bit of everything some magical um you know you've got a, a really varied background and a really varied backlist and um i i have just a few you know of, of your books because i might be a little bit addicted to your books and their covers and stories uh, but I only have the one painted daisy for now. But when yeah. I see you next, I will be That's filling great. the shelves with the others because it's just an amazing series. We, before we get to talking about the series itself, we always start with a little bit of how we found the author, um, what we love about you, and all of that good stuff. So I, I'm trying to remember how I found you. And I know it was for, it was right before the arc of Branded by a Song. And it must have been in a reader group. And I don't remember which reader group it was in because it's been a while. Um, and you were looking for ARC readers and you were on my list. And I was like, oh, give me, give me, give me. Because I loved the um, the trailer, the, the teaser of what I had seen about it already. It sounded so good. So I was like, give me, give me, give me. And um, that's how I found you. Um, so uh, Ron, how'd you find LJ? You. <laughs> <laughs> Well, actually, I think I think that I think that it was you saying um, you have to read this book. Um, it was Brandon, and yeah. that you had you had you were reading it as an art, and I knew a little bit because I'd seen her around. I'd seen some of the some of the posts, but I we we weren't connected before that. Um, then I read Brandon, and I was like Insta fan, so I followed her around all the places, and then she became part of. That's what she said. <laughs> now yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that too because it's a whole <laughs> little family, also. Yeah, we got our Stalker so, Sisters family. Um, and so Julie, how'd you find LJ? You. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to own My it. My first book was Disguised by Love. <gasps> it's one of my favorite covers. I, Julie Beautiful. will put up a graphic. 
but um, it's one of my favorite covers. It's absolutely gorgeous. And yeah, that one drew a lot of attention. Protector Romance, which I love. So, you know, my catnip. Um, Susie, how'd you find LJ? It wasn't you. <laughs> it wasn't you. Really? Yeah. It, was Charm- it was Charm City. <gasps> okay. Well, so it was her. <laughs> <laughs> it was us. In the roundabout way, yes. It was Michelle. <laughs> it was us. Okay, we can take blame for that. So um, Susie, expand on that a little bit. How did you find LJ through Charm City before the event, at the event? Before the event, because I wanted to read at least one book from every author. And which one did you read? What was your first book? Um, The last one you loved. That's that one. Another one of my favorite covers. And that, God, what a great favorite. Right? Mm -hmm. What a great story to jump into. That one has a little bit of everything. Um, and I actually just listened to the audio book and I got to immerse myself in it all over again. And it was just, it gave me chills listening to it because it's such an emotional, deep story with so many layers. And I'm going to say right now, that's one of the things that draws me to LJ's books is the layers. Um, there is, LJ doesn't write simple stories. And I, that is one of those things that pulls me in where it's, complex it has really well-developed characters it is layers of just everything and it's got such a beautiful storyline that I, I like big books I'm not gonna lie about that like, <laughs> and now we're all singing that song <laughs> you're welcome and I like deep stories that have a lot of heart in them and that one is just okay that one takes your heart and kind of does this and then it goes, it's okay. It's okay. And then You're embarrassing it puts, me. Why? Own it. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so I know that was last one you loved. And I think, like Julie said, Disguised by Love, which was another, um, which was Romantic Suspense. Branded for me was another one that just, God, it sucked me in so deeply. And it's kind of where the daisies get their start is branded and then tripped by love. So I kind of felt like I got into the beginning of that, <laughs> even though it was not the beginning of that series. Um, so talk about that a little bit. You have multiple series. So just if, take a second and talk about the series that you have and a little bit about them so that people know kind of if they're looking for this, for that, for that. Okay. So the album series, the My Life is an Album series is my debut series. And um, that starts with a coming of age story. So it's, they start as teens. It's it's written in diary style. So it's, it's a little bit different. Um, it is a romance, but it has a really sad part. And then happily ever after at the end. But um it was really written kind of as a coming of age story rather than a full on romance. So I went from that into the rest of the series, which is all straight romance. And those are um, rock stars, not your typical rock stars. Like I don't, none of my rock stars are your typical kind of like cocky, you know, player mm-hmm. rock stars that are all very much kind of on the nicer end, I guess, <laughs> or maybe the more like, down to earth end I don't know but um so that series has a little uh, some rock stars 
it has an anti-hero story in it and it was very experimental for me because it was debut and I was like kind of like playing around learning the things that I loved so has different point of views and and some only female point of views and some dual point of views but it's very heartwarming it's one of those ones that small town tugs on your heartstrings a lot mm-hmm. um after that I wrote uh started guarded dreams which was supposed to be a standalone and ended up spawning six books and then two spinoffs so like I mean That's it like was supposed to be a standalone novel it's a military uh, romance is the anchor novels. They are all ex-military or military, except for branded. And it's because the female is the ex, um, the widow of a Navy SEAL person from another of the anchor books. So even though branded has Brady as a country rock star, there is still the military tie to it. Um, and branded is Brady's story, but he's actually in all of the anchor novels like up to then as like a secondary character so like he was in all of them so those are anchor uh, the anchor novels are military ex-military contemporary romance uh heartwarming slow burns just you know um very character driven stories uh after I wrote actually while I was writing the six anchor novels I spun off uh, my Anchor Suspense series, which was the first straight suspense, romantic suspense series I had written. Um, there's three books in that, and they're all protector heroes, uh, undercover or kind of some version of that. Uh, and those really should be read in, they can be read standalone, but they're, they have like a, a storyline that kind of goes through them as well. So it's best to read them in order, but you can read them standalone. They also, the Anchor Novels also spun off The Painted Daisies, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well. So both of those spun off of the Anchor Novels. I also wrote, in the middle of all that, a standalone, which is Charming in the Cherry Blossom. And it's new adult, small town, but it has a fairy tale vibe to it and kind of a paranormal aspect to it. But it's it's really modern day contemporary romance. It and it's not a retelling at all, but it is very much a fairy tale story. I mean, there's you know a woman who inherits a castle, and and um, you know there's a bad villain trying to take it from her, and a guy who kind of steps in to to be there with her, and so it was really fun. It was a story that I wrote as kind of the start of 2020 when everything was happening and it just really was a story I needed to write, like just mm-hmm. interrupted my whole process of everything I was doing mm-hmm. and said, no, you're going to write this story. <laughs> and I love it. It's still one of my favorite stories that I've ever written. Um, so that's the bulk of my stories. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. We deserve fairy tales as adults too. So I am never going to turn my nose up at, as a, at a fairy tale. Um, I love that a lot of your um, your books and your series kind of interweave into each other. And I know at least with Branded, when I started it, it really, I read it, the first book, and it totally read like a standalone to me. So, but then it's like, oh, I want to know who this one is. And I think good series do that where they're like, the book pulls you into that story, but then you're like, I, I need, I need to find out about this person's story, and it kind of takes you back. So, 
Uh, I love that you can do that with your with your books, and it led to Painted Daisies. And um, so Painted Daisies was a whole different kind of um, endeavor for you. And I know yeah. you've talked about this a little bit. And tell us about how. And I know you know we're talking about. I've got all my list here. We're talking about favorite characters and everything. But start with how. How this is what tell us about the painted daisies. What's the concept behind it? All that good stuff. So it's an all-female rock band um, who kind of came into you know being famous as they were growing from their teens into their 20s. So the youngest, the youngest was 12 when she started with the older girls who were all 17. So it was her sister and her friend, her sister's friends. So they are all like five years older than Paisley, but it's an all-female rock band. They're, you know, they're at the kind of peak of their fame taking off. And um, one of them gets murdered. And from there, kind of, it spirals into like each of the band members having a reason to believe that maybe they were responsible for the death or in some way, or that people were coming for them and accidentally killed their friend instead, because the daisies all look alike from behind, except for she who's got bright red hair. The rest have really dark hair. They're all kind of the same height. They all are very similar looking. So that's kind of the ultimate concept of it. They have these protective heroes who kind of come in and and obviously fall in love with them and and are there during their each of their suspense stories so each book has their own happily ever after couple and their own suspense plot that's tied to whatever the mystery is around that particular band member and then um there's also the carry through of the murder that happens in book one that isn't solved until book five. Right. But each book itself has its own happily ever couple mm -hmm. that ends and their own kind of suspense plot that also ends. So it's complicated. I bet. And uh, you say, you know, Paisley, when they started the band, um, Paisley was 12, those were 17. When you pick up in the first book, this is what, five years into the band's existence, right? Seven, seven, because Paisley's <laughs> right. Okay, yep. Paisley's nineteen at the beginning of Sweet Memory, but then we have mm -hmm. a time gap, and so yes. she's twenty-one at the end of the book. Right. So it kind of travels through some of you know her early stuff, and then all the other band members are older, of course, because they're right. five years older than her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my math just kind of okay. English teacher, you guys do the math. I can't math apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so awesome and so okay we'll talk a little bit about favorite books um i know everybody has is in a different spot of reading them i have read all the way through and i met i'm so bad i'm i don't know how many times i messaged lj when i was reading certain things and i would get to a part and i'm like oh, no or you know i would you know send a little heart hands or something would happen and i'd be like okay um, what are you doing to me here? Because each book has, okay, one, LJ's the slow burn queen. And you know when that hits, it's going to be incendiary and this is going to ignite the pages and it's going to be beautiful and amazing. And everything builds and builds and builds. But there's so much you weave in before that even happens. 
that builds to that. And yeah, I sent a lot of messages about um, <laughs> about different things. But uh, so I'm looking. Okay, Ron, mm-hmm. do you have a favorite character yet? Favorite story? Um, I don't have a favorite character because I love them all, and <laughs> <laughs> I won't pick because I don't have to. Um, but I think that Daisy's is going to be my favorite because I think I it, one of the very first messages I ever sent out. LJ was um, when I got to the part in in branded where they kind of you know, tease that, and I'm like, they're totally getting a series, right? <laughs> so I've I've been jonesing for this for a while, but I waited until everything came out so that I can binge the whole thing um, when I haven't got life crazy going on. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm I, I started I, I got the audio for the first one. <gasps> so I, good. <laughs> It's good. I haven't listened to the whole thing yet, the audio. Um, I listened to some of it because I was really curious about the narrator for Mm -hmm. Sweet Memory. And um, so there was a lot of thought that went into that. And this is kind of, again, say goodbye to the rails. You put a lot of thought into the audio for the first book. There was something you were really a stickler about. What was it? whole series because the all the females in the in the band are diverse that was part of the kind of the gimmick not the gimmick but like what I wanted for the band was I wanted to be this really diverse young you know rock band and so each of the daisies have different ethnic backgrounds and when Podium agreed to take on the series for their audiobook when we talked casting, I said it was really important to me to find female characters, narrators of the same ethnicity as the Daisies, because I wanted it to kind of be own voice. And like, I had done so much work with my sensitivity readers to make sure that that was representative. And I just wanted to continue that. Like, I wanted to give the opportunity for the narrators of those ethnic to have a chance to do the narration so and they and podium did a great job they they absolutely respected that and went out and found some amazing talent some of the talent some of the talent uses like a pen name for their romance narration and so then some like always talk about like their like who they really are (laughs) because um you know they want their pen name for romance, which I totally respect. And then they use their real name for other stories and stuff. So, but they did a great job and I'm amazing. We have a golden heart winner, like, and then Michelle, who's done tons of anime. And I was really proud of what Odium had done with the narration and the casting of it. And the males are amazing. I got there a couple like sweet memory is Neil Thorne, who narrated one of my other books. And I love him. His, the emotion in his voice is just really amazing he did like one of my growly characters in the album series and he did a great job with it and I'm really happy with what he did with Jonas too and then Michael Norman Johnson he does book two also did another one of my characters and so he's great and then the rest are all new male narrators to me like I I haven't worked with them before but they've done a great job and some of our you know are very I'm not this is so sad like I was listening to watching your post or something Michelle about audiobooks you know and you're like, oh, can't believe this person hasn't listened to this narrator <laughs> before. And I'm like, I am the worst. I have not finished ever one book on narration, on audio. 
not even my own. Like I, like I skip through them. Like I'll hit certain chapters that I want to hear and scenes. <laughs> I can't, like, I am so not an oral, like I have to have the visual to go with it, I think, because I'm just bad. I'm really bad. Like even podcasts, like even listening to your podcast, like thankfully like yours are shorter, you know, like, and I can like pause it and come back because if I listen straight through, I won't listen. Like my brain goes somewhere else. So I'm really bad. I get it. And honestly, I don't think that's uncommon. Like I have to be doing something else if I'm listening to an audiobook like I can't word like I can't type words mm -mm. and listen but I can do graphics and listen mm -hmm. and it's like I listen better if I'm doing a graphic or if I'm driving or like today I was painting in the bathroom I don't know it's like I needed to work both sides of the brain or whatever to also, like to clean or you know like do something boring like cleaning or something I'll and seriously my brain is not listening it's like I have to rewind the chapter three times I'm like and all I was doing was cleaning the bathroom and <laughs> I used to do that where I had to listen to an audiobook I'd already read because I would zone and I think now I've just I have narrowed down the voices that it's like a frequency thing like I've narrowed down the voices that hit the right frequency in my brain where my brain just automatically tunes in and wants to listen so but I do listen when I'm driving and when I'm in the car and it's I can't clean and listen or work on stuff listen I it's audiobooks for me or when I'm driving you know or, or on a car trip and um there are times I'll skip a chapter come back to a chapter but there are certain voices that they have to grab me and hold my attention um but to me i love that you were very um in tune with making them the narrator's own voice um because i think that lends another authentic layer to the characters and their portrayal um and uh, michelle who did the audio for Sweet Memories is local, actually, to me. She's in, in uh, my area and um, might have a surprise about her later, too. So, <laughs> uh, But I, I love that you worked with Podium and that they were willing to work with you on that because I think if it's important to an author and then the production company listens to that and it's important to the artist that created it, that says a lot about them as well as a company to work with, that they're willing to say, this is important to the author, so we're going to make it important to us. Um, so big time bravo to, to Podium for saying, okay, yeah, let, let's do this. And I can't wait to listen to all of them. Julie, did you have a favorite Pin and Daisies yet? Or character or book? I think Royal Hay. Just when it all came together is pretty fantastic. Um, the last one you loved was just different. Like it was next level to me. Um, I remember messaging you with that one. Sweet memory. I This is how much of a fan of, I am of you. I did not read. I didn't read the blurbs. Why? It's LJ Evans. I'm just going to read it. Mm -hmm. So I read Sweet Memory and Landry Dies. And I'm like, what did you do? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I 
I kid you not, it, it was probably two months later, three months later, you had wrote it somewhere, like in a post, like, oh, it's in the blurb, I promise. And I'm like, it is? I don't read blurbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one clicks. Anyway. I don't read blurbs for one clicks. If you're a one click no. author, I'm going to read it. I don't pay attention to the blurb. It means nothing no. to me. <laughs> Half my art team hadn't paid attention to the blurb. And when, <laughs> when I mean, I've been posting stuff. Like, I mean, I was, you know, it wasn't like I was hiding it. And then it was, it was in the blurb. <laughs> and half the art team hadn't read it. So, like, I had that same reaction from like half the art team. I got these random messages. They're like, oh, I can't believe you killed her. And I'm like, the blurb. <laughs> back to math <laughs> oh my god Susie, what about you favorite pin of daisies favorite lj book um my favorite i, I haven't been to the mall some of to book three my paisley was my favorite until i got to book three and then i was like oh i think her name was leah leah yeah i was like yeah so Right now, she's my favorite, but it could change. I still have two more books to read. <laughs> it's been really exciting because for me as an author, because there was a couple books that I was nervous, like the most nervous out of the five, there were two, two of the books I was most nervous about the characters because I knew they might be hard for people. And, and especially because romance, the romance world can be really hard on female characters sometimes. And so was worried a lot about book one and book four, actually. But um, so I've been excited because Adria, his book four, and then Paisley and book one have all found like fans, you know, like the people that are choosing them as their favorites. So I'm like, oh, it's like, you know, you don't want any of your kids not to be liked, right? <laughs> like, you want all the kids to have like people that love them best. <laughs> so it's been exciting to see. I love that. And I, I can't pick a favorite book. I mean, I wrote down, like, I'm trying to think, I'm like, okay, within Pen and Daisies, I'm like, okay, Green Jewel and Cherry Brandy. And I'm like, no, but I love, I love Royal Hayes. And I, I love the band. I love the girls in the band. I love the concept. I love their interactions. I love the closeness and the sisterhood that they form. But two of your male main characters grabbed me so hard and I was like I these guys are okay so Holden was one of them because protector and I, I told you I said I had such a vivid image of him from how you had built him I even sent you a picture I'm like and it's an actor and I sent you a picture and I'm like this is my Holden. Like, you know, you can show me what your concept was, but this is him. Like I had such a vivid image of him. And then as Angel, D'Angelo started to develop, I was like, <laughs> okay, here's my catnip. Morally gray, anti-hero, tall, dark, and scary. I, I have a type. Um, my type is D'Angelo. 
<laughs> so it really grabbed me. But the way you developed them all and wove them throughout um, really made them very deep characters. Um, the girls found depth in developing their own identities within the identity of the band. And the guys found depth within the identity of how they came to be a partner to the girls in the band and to each other and this friendship, the, the, the ultimate fans, um, the ultimate fan club. And it was a beautiful way that you pulled them through the story, weaving them all together until the very last story. And then this kind of everything comes together. But there are some characters that we never get over and I don't think I'm ever getting over D'Angelo. So well done on that. They were all like, uh-huh, we know. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put you on the spot again, LJ. Not the girls, because I know you love all of them because they're your children and they're your babies and you adore them. When you were writing The Heroes, was there anyone that really clicked with you where you were like, this is, this is, this is him. This is the guy. My guy? Like <laughs> Your favorite? Um... You know, it's really hard. It's it's almost like with the females because like I love them all for different reasons. You know, I I love that Asher appears to be like this asshole, you know, billionaire guy taking over the band. And then you realize the whole reason he bought, he got into the music industry was because he was attracted to Fee. Like, and she never even knew it, you know? So like, you see all these layers to him and you see him as a dad and and you see him struggling to be a good dad because of his baggage and so like Asher is totally not a person that I would probably be drawn to in my real life but he I love the layers of him that we got to explore um I'm a protector guy you know protector guys are my catnip also so Holden and D'Angelo of course are you know in that category um I also love a man who's falls first and is kind of grovelly and Ronan did that in book four and I know a lot of people because of the mistakes Ronan had made earlier in the series people were like I don't know if I can watch him you know he I don't know and and then I love that people were like saw got to see why he was that way and how much he was in love with Adria all along like yeah. all along so they all like have special places for me in my heart you know and the whole series does like the whole series is just incredibly special to me for a lot of reasons you know it, it was definitely something I had never done before in terms of complication of the plots and I'm not a plotter I'm a panster by nature <laughs> So like mm -hmm. I have a big idea. I might have a couple scenes that have come to me because of songs or like when I'm in the shower or something. And I, those scenes are might, might be in a word document, but it could be like scene three in a book and scene 50 in a book, you know, like, and I have kind of an idea of the characters and their background and like where they've come from. And I just start, I just open the page and I go. Right. So that's, that's just how I create. So this series required me to do plotting, a lot of plotting. And I was not experienced with that in the sense of like, 
normally in the past when I've tried to plot a book, like I've done chapter by chapter kind of plotting and overall, and it ends up stifling my creativity for some reason. Like I, I get in there and I feel like I'm boxed into like what I put on the page and my brain, instead of my brain going here I am and these are all the 20 possibilities where I could go from here, I feel like I've already got the possibility and so then I'm stuck with it for some reason, even when you're not, like you, you don't have to stick to an outline just because you outline it. But for some reason, the way my brain works is if it's outlined, then I have to like go and it and it doesn't ever open all those possibilities. All the windows and doors don't get open for me. So when I'm when I'm panster, like, and I'm going, it the story just happens. Like I'm just crawling through it, and it's like the next door opens and the next window opens, and I just keep going. Right? I couldn't do that complete with this series. So I was like, okay, I gotta have some structure. I have to know what's gonna happen in each book. I have to kind of know what some of the clues are gonna happen in each book. And I have to know the ending. <laughs> I have to know where I'm going, right? And and so I wrote book one. I was halfway through like book two and I was already changing book one. And then I stopped book two because I came on board with That's What She Said. And they really, they were excited about the series, but they were, they were hoping to do a standalone for me first. So I, I had done book one, I was halfway through book two and I put the series on hold to write the last one you loved so that I wrote that book. And then by the time I came back to book two, Green Jewel and the Daisies, I things were changed again. Like I had, like I had to go back and change again. And originally we were gonna publish the books about every, two months, like two or three months, we were going to like put one out and then I'd be working on the next one. Right. But because I was at book two and changing book one already, I'm like, there's, I'm going to have to get further in the series. Like I have to get further in the series before we release and we set a date. So I finished book two, went into book three, got into book three. And I was like, I got to change book one again. <laughs> so like, that's like, <laughs> then I was talking to that's what she said and I'm like I, I have to get through all five books like at least the draft like I knew I had to get through at least the draft of book five before I was really confident that we could set a date for everything and say for sure I'm gonna have something for you because I just that's that was the panster nature of me getting in there and going you know it's not this person it's actually this person and now I have to change book one and so I did book five mm. and when I got to book five it was like oh it's really <laughs> this <laughs> I do that normally in a standalone right in a standalone because I'm a pamster you get to the end of the book you know you're you're three quarters of the way through and you're like that's the emotional baggage. That's the arc. You know, that's the character arc. So I don't know why I thought I could do something different with five books, <laughs> but you know, you get to five books and you're like, that's what it is. <laughs> and so then you have to go change all four that came before it. So it was a lot of that. Like Angel, Angel wasn't even Angel wasn't even in the book. Like Angel wasn't originally even in the book. <laughs> To book two I got to book two and I knew she she needed to be working with this like kind of shady PI guy you know and when I wrote him I was like this he's gonna be in all the books like as soon as I wrote him I was like 
he's going to be in all the books. Not only is he going to be in all the books, he's going to be the hero in book five. Like, I had a totally different character for book five. <laughs> like, it was going to be a different hero. Like, he was somebody else. So it was just fun. Like, it was fun, but it was scary because I'd never done it. And I had to have, you know, I wrote five books in, you know, <clears throat> 18 months, maybe, at pop because I had started Sweet Memory at the end of, what year are we? 23. I know. It started, started Sweet Memory in 2021 at the end of 2021. So wow. like it, it, you know, it was a long time, but I've never written five books that close. The most, you know, I've ever written in a year is usually three. So this was like, I wrote them and The Last One You Loved, like all in that time frame. So my brain was and my hands, like I could feel it. Like I actually, oh, yeah. at the end, uh, I, I really had to take some time because my hands were sore. Like my, I had like some serious hand damage, well, not damage, but I could tell it could be damage if I didn't take care of them and right. stop. Yeah. I have images you know, I of like, you know, a cork board with like lines, you know, the, it, it's, it's the, um, the murder board with <laughs> pictures and characters and string and, sticky notes and things hanging from the ceiling and you know just trying to get this all together because yeah I can see like you have one book and it's a couple hundred pages and you're trying to tie things together and then you're like oh no no five books and jumping ahead and jumping back and jumping ahead and jumping back and then dang my timeline so my timeline is written in word and it's you know single space 12 point it's it's nine it's almost 10 pages long the timeline starting from I can't say I love spoilers but starting from like the past and going all the way through the it's 10 pages long the the notes for the daisies themselves the, the word document is 132 pages like it's a book <laughs> the notes so like, it wow. was wild like it was wild and every time I would be like okay this is the date this happened right then I would like do five other things and I'd be like wait is that right and then I'd have to do the math again even though I'd written it down and I'd done the math like I doubted myself right like over and over and over again I was like I, I'm like gonna drive myself batty because and then it is layered it does overlap with my other worlds yeah. like it overlaps with the anchor novels and it overlaps with um, the last one he loves world and there, you know, my other worlds overlap with it. So then the timelines got even screwier because yeah. I was like, not only am I having to figure out how it fits into this five book series, but now I have to figure out how the dates also line up with this series and yes. this series and this next book that hasn't even been written yet. So big. It was pretty wild. It was I don't pretty know wild. how you do it. Uh, it. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, there was that little Easter egg with um, the tie-in with the last one you love. I think I messaged you on that, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I got all excited. Because it's, it's like coming it's really home. an Easter egg. It's, you know, it's not anything that anybody, Yeah. if somebody found me because of the daisies, they wouldn't need to have read the last one you right. loved or any of the other books. But the people who have read me get the little Easter eggs, you know, like, um, it, you know, just like when you read the last one that you loved, people don't know that the town is really the town that's in my album series. You know, it's so like people get those little Easter eggs. And I mean, that's that's fun for us authors as well as it is for the readers who have read us, you know, and 
Taylor Swift is an expert at it. Like her, you know, her lyrics have all those Easter eggs in them. And she's, she does an amazing job. I, I'm not, I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan, but I don't go to the degree that like most Swifties do and we can tell you every single Easter egg and what it pertains to in her life and other people's lives. And, but um, it is fun. Like I think it's fun. Absolutely. And it gives readers a, a chance to connect and say, oh, I remember that. Or, you know, I, I that was really cool to see that in there or relive with that character. And it it does make it fun for me as a reader when something like that happens. And I'm like, oh, I recognize that. I know what that's from. But if I don't, it's not taking from that either. So I love how you wind that in. So we've talked about how the series came about and the quick release you know, would you want to do that again? Would you want to tackle this type of project again? Um, never say never, never say never, <laughs> but probably not. I, I mean, unless, unless I had a lot more time, you know, like, like I, I, you know, that's in the indie book world, in the indie publishing world, it feels like you have a lot of pressure to stay relevant and have a lot of, and have your books out, you know, several mm -hmm. times a year. And um, I feel like a series like this requires, you know, it took me, it took me, you know, a long time to write those. And, yeah. and I kind of wish I'd had even more time, you know, like on it. So I'd have to be at a spot in my career in my life where I felt like I could take a year and a half and not publish anything. Do you know what I'm saying? And and I don't know when that will be. And and I while I loved it, I'm a panster by nature. So like it was really hard to um, you know, have to do all that plotting and going back and forth. So I don't know. I, I never say never, but it would definitely not be my first instinct to do it again. <laughs> but it was a great challenge. They yes. turned out fantastic. You did a phenomenal job. Oh, thank you. I love them. I'm really incredibly proud of them. Like, you know, out of all my books, they're probably, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of all my stories for different reasons, but the daisies are definitely like the, I'm most proud of them because I do feel like I had to grow a lot and I had to challenge myself in a lot of different ways. And um, I really love camaraderie of the band and I love the way the men show up for them. And I love the way the men end up being there for each other also. Mm -hmm. And um, so I love what the little world that I built. And I do feel like it was a, a world like, you know, it's not fantasy. It, it, I mean, I don't write it's not a fantasy series, but I do feel like I built a whole world that was around the daisies and, you know, the island that it all come, stems from. And that was so much fun. I started when I was, when I was, I've been writing my whole life, like since I was little, like in fifth grade, my teacher had us write stories and she had us take magazine clippings, right? And, and then write a story from the magazine. And I took this hallway and it looked like a spooky hallway. I don't write horror. I don't even read horror. But my very first story that I wrote was basically a ghost story. Like it was the hallway and it was empty and like spooky. And and um, I was so like not confident in myself that like when I would write, because this is old school, right? I'm old. So we were writing in pencil. 
I remember those days. <laughs> it was so light that my teacher could barely read it because I was like so unsure of myself, right? So I was writing so like softly. And um, and she's like, this was an amazing story. And she read it to the class and like, you know, like it encouraged me. And my sister and I both read and from then we were reading and writing a lot. And so my sister was kind of my writing partner my whole life. And we wrote a lot of fantasy because we read a lot of fantasy when we were younger. So like we wrote a lot of fantasy, like she'd write a chapter and I'd write a chapter and, you know, we'd go back and forth and build the worlds. And so I do have like that fantasy background in my childhood, you know, as my early writing. So it was fun for me to write this series and be able to apply some of that world building and like that creation and new things to it. So I love that it all came out in book five and it got to be like, you know, I got to explore all that fantasy world stuff in a, in a way, in a real world setting, yeah. but was, so I don't know what your question was. I got totally sidetracked. <laughs> well, I think you've <laughs> answered it all. The quick release. Oh, um, yeah. Was that a, was that a combined decision with your publisher or just like, this is the way it's going to be because I've got to write it all first? You um, know? It was mostly my decision in turn, not the quick release. So waiting until they were all together was my was my decision that they totally respected. They didn't they there was no pressure on their part to like come out with it early. Like they wouldn't have cared if we were still waiting for it. You know, like they are so not pressure. They're they're just very caring people and they're here to support us. So they don't really put those kind of pressures on us. Um They'd never published anything that quickly either. Um, so from their perspective, it was a challenge also. Like, and, and I'm not the only author. So they had other authors that were releasing also. And um, so at first they were like, maybe every six to eight weeks. You know, they were like, let's maybe do every six to eight weeks. And I'm like, I don't think I want people to have to wait that long because then you're talking 10 months mm. for five books. And I'm like, and I really don't think we want people to wait that long. Like, I think we want them to have it quicker. So we kind of kind of wore them down to the four weeks. <laughs> they were still kind of like the six, eight weeks. The longest between books was book two and book three. That was five weeks. And that was mostly just to keep it kind of mid-month. Like we were, they were all kind of released on a Wednesday mid-month. And so that was mostly just to kind of keep it in the same kind of place so yeah and then I was really glad because when Podium came on board yes they started later so the first the first book released on audio in July but they're still doing one a month also so mm -hmm. all the audiobooks will be out by November so they're also doing the one a month which was kind of fun I love that yeah. I can't imagine doing a book a month well I shouldn't say that yeah that's a lot it's <laughs> for a lot. me it was for me, it was kind of easier because I was really done in March. Like right. the draft book five was done in January. So I was going through edits, you know, like developmental edits and all those edits. But the book itself was really done before book one released. Like I was pretty much done with the series. So really it was the release schedule, which is also like that was hard on. That's what she said. But it, it's also hard on the author mm -hmm. because you have to be like up for release every month. Right. You're like, wait. Wait, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. I'm like, yeah. I'd be worn out. Yeah. 
So yeah, so for all those reasons, I don't know that I would sign up to do something quite like this again. Um, but you never say never, right? So so do you have any advice for an author contemplating a project like that? What did you learn? You have to plot. <laughs> <laughs> whether you like it or not. But, you know, also on the other side of that is I'm not a plotter. And I think you really have to be, you have to be open to allowing your own creative process to take place. Mm -hmm. So even though I thought I could do it by plotting, I ended up being a panster still. And, And the books ended up better because of that. You know, like if I had stuck to what I originally planned when I had been planning the series in 2021 and book five was what it was, it wouldn't have D'Angelo in it. And he's one of the juiciest characters I've ever written, you know? So I think my advice is yes, make sure you plan and plot as much as you can. But also if you're not a plotter by nature, allow yourself to have the time and the freedom to do what you do best, which is if you're a panster, that's your style. Like I, I really feel like when I, I don't know if I've told you guys this before, but when I, when I first started writing and I first started publishing and stuff, um, I felt a lot of like, like I wasn't good enough because I was, I wasn't plotting, you know, like I, I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have a chapter by chapter outline and, my themes weren't necessarily, you know, down to the three chapter theme level. And um, I thought that would make me a bad writer. Like I thought I was, wasn't as good as others. But then I read a couple other really famous authors. I can't remember his name. I wish it, I have it, like I have to go find it again because I have like a clip of it. It was in Writer's Digest and he, he was very famous and he was basically saying, kind of what I told you earlier, like he was a panster and he, well, the same thing, he felt like when he tried to plot, it narrowed, it shut his brain down so it wouldn't think of all the possibilities mm-hmm. when you got to a certain point. And for me, that's that's where my creativity thrives is in that kind of what comes next moment. So I think, you know, for people who are thinking about doing something like this, where it has to kind of go across all five books or three books or whatever. Give yourself give yourself the time to do it. Try to do some plotting more than maybe you're used to, but also give yourself the grace to do it the way you normally do it, which is if you are a panster, then that's where you're going to find the joy of your story is when you're doing it that way. It's, it's so true. I- as an English teacher, it was always hard for me to tell kids when we were doing creative writing, you have to have an outline. You have to have a graphic organizer. You have to draft. You have to redraft. You have to... Because not everybody works that way. Not everybody's brain works that way. So it can be very constricting to an author when somebody else tells you, you have to do it this way. When you're telling yourself and you're trying to make yourself believe that you have to do it this way, it's never going to work. <laughs> It's never going to work. And you're just going to drive yourself up a wall trying to figure out how to make it work when it's like, you know what? I just got to back off and trust my writer instincts to say, this is how I write. And this is where my stories come from. And I, I love when you said that you started the plot and then you were like, this isn't me. That's a huge recognition for a writer of finding that style 
And then being able to give yourself some grace and say, look, I tried, it didn't work. I'm going back to what I know because I know it's going to work for me. So I think you have to be, you have to be willing to do the work afterwards. Do you know what I'm saying? Because a lot of people who do the plotting have done so much or, you know, so much detailed plot and character development beforehand that they don't always need to do as much work after their first draft, mm -hmm. you know, like it might be a little cleaner. I mean, they still have to do work, but I mean, it, it, because they already saw the arc and how it went and the, you know, the layers were already there. They don't necessarily have to do as much afterwards. I know because I'm a panster and I'm going to get to that two thirds point and I'm going to be like, that's what the book's about. You know, like I know I'm going to get there, which means I'm going to have to go and fix that first front two thirds. Right. So, I mean, if, you just have to allow yourself that process. You know, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna have to fix it later, and you have to be okay with that. Like you can't, you can't then be hard on yourself for going. Oh, why didn't I know on book page one that it was gonna be this way? If you're a panster by nature and you don't figure it out until you're two thirds of the way, and you know, yep. so and somebody becomes really, really loud in your head and demands that you do something their way. Um, okay. Like we were talking to somebody the other day about how. We were talking to Noel, right? About how she just her characters do stupid shit and she writes up the incident report. And sometimes they do things that she never would have expected, but then something else has to change because they're like, mm -mm, it doesn't happen that way. Right. This is what's happening now. So I'm telling you, you fix it. You know? <laughs> yep. Several moments like that during the daisies. Like there were several moments where you know I was writing and I was like, I thought the book was going to be a different way. And then I got to a point and I'm like, it's the other way around. <laughs> it's not going to be this way. So, but for me, that's the fun of it. You know, that's the that. joy of, of being a writer and having those aha moments. Mm -hmm. I get that. Oh, Susie, you're on mute. I know you had a question and I want to make sure you come off mute before you ask. Sorry. What was the most memorable part of writing the series? You know, that's a hard question. Um, I think, you know, the most memorable part was probably when I hit the end, you know, because I was trying to describe the series to somebody and, and, and kind of the process. And I feel like, you know, sweet memory, we start here, like at the bottom of a mountain, you know, like it, it's literally at the bottom of the mountain and, and yes, it's, I love Sweet Memory. It's a great story. And, and, but it also had to introduce a bunch of characters and it had to like introduce a bunch of plots. And there was a lot demanded of book one, you know, so it, it was kind of like at the base of the mountain. And then each book, I got to kind of feel like we were climbing up the mountain a little bit, you know, like getting higher and higher. And when we got to the top with the daisies, I felt like, I felt like I was like, the top of a mountain looking at the view saying oh my gosh we're here you know like and and I feel like the world that Royal Haze book five happens in lends itself to that too like it's you know there's a castle and you know it's an island in the middle of the ocean and you're you've got this view you know like you're there and it's beautiful and bold and mosaic and you know so like I felt like each of the books kind of brought us closer to that rich, huge moment at the top of the mountain. And so for me, that was that was kind of where I reached it. 
it was also the point where I kind of like had kind of breakdown, but like, um, and not even writer's block because I was, I was working on other things, but hadn't written the bonus epilogue for the daisies when I finished book five. I had sent it off. Um, you know, the draft was done. It was being edited. Book one came out. I still didn't have bonus epilogue for the series. Like, and I knew I wanted it to be like a series bonus epilogue at the end of book five. Like I wanted everybody to come together. I would open the document and I literally would have an idea and I would sit there and I would be like, I can't type it. And I think it was like, I think I was depressed about leaving the characters behind. Like, I think I was struggling to let go of them because they had, I had invested so much of my heart and soul into them and so much time because I'd been working on them for so long that it was really hard to write that bonus epilogue, even though like I'd gotten to the top of the mountain and I was like, and then, then I was like, I can't do anything more because I just want to stay here on the top of the mountain. Like I just wanted to stay there. I didn't want to do any of the other stuff, but, um, so it was fun. And, you know, I eventually did break through of it and it was fun because it was, I went on a writer's retreat with some author friends in, in Texas and, and, and they were like, okay, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, you know? And so then I actually like got to the bonus epilogue and I got to finish it with them there. And it was fun, you know, because it was like, I had this other moral support kind of saying, you can do it, you can do it. But that was May and book five was coming out in July, you know? So I was like pushing the wire a little bit. Writing can be a very solitary career. You know, when you're writing and you're in the head of your characters and you're writing the story, it's you. And it's difficult to, you know, reach out sometimes because it's your story, it's your characters. And that drop, man, at the end of a series, when you have invested so much in a character, I, I see this with authors that I edit for where they reach that series finale book and all of a sudden they're like, I, uh, I, I can't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to let go. And if I write that, you know, if I write that epilogue, it's, it's final, it's done. And that's yeah. when you're so invested and you have such a connection, it's really hard to say, okay, I'm just going to write this and, you know, they're going to go off into the sunset and everything will be great. And bye guys. It's like, you know, sending your kids off to college. <laughs> you're not quite ready to let go yet, you know? So I love that you went to that retreat. I remember seeing the pictures and you posting about it and having that camaraderie of people around to say, yes, it's your story, but we're here. We're supporting you. Um, you know, we've got your back. Bounce ideas, scream into the void. The void turns out is a very, very good listener. So, you know, mm -hmm. do what you need to, to help you move forward. So it's more like a... It's, it's hard to say goodbye, you know? So I love the both of like, I remember you posting about, I'm still working. I'm still working. I think at one point you even asked like, what would you like to see? And people were like, whatever you want to give us, <laughs> which I know isn't helpful. You have five couples and five, you know, like you didn't want, you didn't want the focus to be on one couple necessarily if it was like yep. the series epilogue you know so like that also made it hard because it was like whose voice should it be from and then yeah. so that stuck me for a long time I, I tried different you know tried book one you know the, I tried doing it from Paisley and Jonas's perspective because they kicked off the series I tried doing it from you know uh 
Nikki and D'Angelo's because they were the last in the series, but then it felt like I was missing stuff from the other characters. So that's why I decided to end up doing it like the interview with the interview reporter from book one who'd been part of the book one. And it just ended up working out so much better because I it didn't have to be from any of the individual characters' perspectives. And so it allowed it allowed me to have a different lens also mm -hmm. when I was writing it. So it was fun. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. That I thought it was really well done. Yeah. So so what's next? What's coming up next in your world? Um, I'm working on, as you know, I'm working on another romantic suspense story. It's um, well, I can't tell you the title yet. But it's the the acronym is AATW, which somebody said they thought it was as the world turns. <laughs> and the letters are not right. <laughs> the letters are right. But it, that's what they were saying. Oh, it's as the world turns. And I'm like, no, no, no. But uh, that's kind of funny. Um, many of the, my writer, many of my readers know that I'm a huge Veronica Mars fan. And, um, I, and I'm also like a huge fan of underestimated female like detective stories, you know? So like I grew up with Nancy Drew, I love Veronica Mars, Wednesday Adam, you know, the Wednesday Adams show, like, um, and you know, I'm, I'm a huge procedural fan show anyway. Like I remember, you know, being a little kid watching Perry Mason and Matlock on reruns, you know, like yeah. I loved all of that, like mystery piece, you know, like whodunit, like all that whodunit stuff. So I decided I was, I spent some time after the daisies, just, I had taken some time off because I hadn't had time off in a really long time. Like I had gone from book to book to book to book to book to book for a long time. And then I had done, you know, five daisies. So I, I purposely made myself not write in April. Like I didn't write in April at all. Like I'm like, I would not, I wasn't writing. But I did spend some time just kind of trying to bounce around all the ideas that I've had. What did I want to do next? And I know a lot of people were asking for the siblings from um, The Last One You Loved, uh, writer and Sadie. Gemma already has a story, like a short story um, that was in an anthology. But I was like, I do, I have their stories. Like, I know what their stories are. Like, I could easily have dived into one of those. But I also had just finished a series and I was like, I don't know that I want to go back into something <laughs> that even if I make it a standalone, it's still going to feel like a series, you know, like it's yeah. still, I needed something fresh. So one of the ideas I'd been dealing, I'd been playing around with for a while was like this underestimated kind of teen is sleuth. She's not a teen. She's in her twenties, but, um, you know, like she comes from a family of PIs and, um, I just, that's the one that was speaking to me. So that's what I wrote was, uh, you know, a, a underestimated PI and a grumpy bartender, bar owner who ends up um, being responsible for his two siblings and they're young. Like the, the, his sister is only a one-year-old when he takes, when he brings her into his life and his brother is like 10 or mm -hmm. yeah, something like that. Don't ask me to math. It's late at night. No math. But um, <laughs> so she inherits, she inherits the kids, and you know changes his life. And then the the two leads have some history. There, there's a slight age gap. They're five years apart. So she kind of idolized him as a, as a teen. She saw him kind of as a hero. And so as they come back together in this book, it's kind of fun because they get to explore all of those angsty kind of teen feels, but also in this like 
feisty PI, you know, yeah. proving to the world that she is good at what she does. So that's what I'm working on. Oh, cat. I, should, I was like, what's behind your head? Oh, <laughs> like, mom, you're done, right? You're done. You're yeah, done. It's, it's, he's cool. been, he's been in the office all day with me. He's like, why are you in the office? This is dad's <laughs> office. <laughs> Well, we are, uh, we've, we've held you for a while. We got 10 random questions. So this is a, this or that, this is a, don't think too hard on it. It's just a fun, throw things at you. Are you with this or are you with that? Um, we're going to start with uh, Julie, you're up first. Coffee or tea? Coffee's gross. <laughs> so you're a tea person. I can't even drink. I can't even like need coffee flavored like candies or anything like it literally <laughs> look smell of coffee but I can't drink it all right sweater or hoodie sorry sweater or hoodie sweater I don't know why I put this question down Taylor Swift or pink <laughs> Taylor Swift. <laughs> pink. I like pink a lot. Yeah, but totally Taylor Swift. There would be no other answer for me. This is a softball question. Susie. Beach or mountain vacation? Uh beach. I like I don't I'm not like a lay on the like lay on the beach and tan kind of person or even in the water but I, I love to like be where I can hear the water and see the water and smell the water and um you know the views and all of that so beach plan ahead or live in the moment even though I'm a panster in my creative world I am a planner in my real world so planner for sure like Steve and I are trying really hard to do more spontaneous stuff because we both work out of the house, you know, so like we're here a lot and we're both homebodies and introverts and like <laughs> it's hard to push us out of our house, you know, so like we're trying to do some more spontaneous things, but I have to like, my spontaneous is Friday we decide to go Lake Tahoe on Sunday for the day, you know, like that's still not really most people would consider that spontaneous. But for me, that's like that's spontaneous. We didn't have this plan for this weekend. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Morning person or night owl? Morning for sure. My whole life I've been a morning person. I'm by 9:30, I'm asleep. Like I'm like punked. <laughs> <laughs> there was some, I sent you something one time and I was, it was like 8 a.m. here. And I'm like, oh my God, why did I send that to her at 8 a.m.? And you responded. And I was like, it's like five in the morning. What, what's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, so what's wrong with me, first of all, because they don't really let me sleep. The cats yep. do not let me sleep at all. The cats are that, the cats are what's wrong with me, but um, I am. Like, even if the cats aren't around, like, we're on vacation, I'm still up by, like, 6.30 usually. That's usually the latest I sleep. That's a relief. Cookies yeah. or cake? Cookies, cookies for are... sure. Yeah, cookies for sure. Vanilla or I'm... chocolate? Okay, I have to tell you a story about this. I'm a vanilla girl. I'm a vanilla girl. But... When I was on the writer's retreat, Lucy Score was there. And I know you guys just interviewed her. She's <laughs> she's amazing and sweet. But I am like a vanilla ice cream, vanilla milkshake. Like, I like vanilla. And then I'm like a plain tortilla chip, 
plain shit person. <laughs> so like the joke now is like, is like, oh, give it to Laura because she likes vanilla of everything. What's <laughs> <laughs> wrong with liking vanilla? Like there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with vanilla. <laughs> Not at all. Draft or edit? Really like editing because I feel like as a panster, that's when I get to like shape this. I know the story then and I get to shape it. So editing probably. Kindle or paperback? Kindle. It's I don't even to... have a Kindle. I literally don't have a Kindle. I read on my phone. Like, I know people are blown away by that. But I have it up at a pretty large font on my phone. And at first, I got into reading on my phone because I was taking our child to gymnastics a lot. And I was going from school to her school to teaching, you know, to, mm -hmm. to the gym. And I, like, didn't want one more thing to carry with me. Like, I just, in a lot of times, I forgot it. Like, I forgot my Kindle because I was doing a million other things. So I got into it on my phone. And then I had the old, old, old Kindle. Like, the original, like, where it had the tab, like, it had the little, like, <laughs> lever that you had to, like, switch the page slide. with. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it literally the slide. Had, like, a knob, like, a knob that you would push to turn the page like mm -hmm. you were pushing a page and it broke like the knob broke yeah. I mean, I had it a long time and I was like I'm not gonna... and and I couldn't like get all my like categories and all the work I had done in the Kindle and I'm like screw it I'm just reading on my phone forever and that's literally I still read on my phone <laughs> I love that we have that option because it's really really hard to take 30 paperbacks on vacation you know <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, for talking about The Painted Daisies, your process, your other books, spending time with us, just talking about all the things, books. Um, any last things that you want to let readers know about you, your stories, anything at all? You know, I'm just really grateful to all of you guys for your time and inviting me and inviting me to Charm City and, and you know, and having me back again to Charm City and, you know, just like all of you, most of you here were introduced to me from Michelle. I know there are a lot of readers who've been introduced to me because of all of you. So I just want to say thank you and for the chance to be here with all of you. Oh, you are welcome anytime. Welcome. And we are so glad that you're coming back to Charmed. I'm really excited. So too. much fun to hang out with you. Yep. And it is a neat event and a great event and a small event and, and something that has that community feeling. And it's so nice to get together with authors who uh, who vibe, you know, that I love that you guys were fangirling each other as much as we were fangirling you. <laughs> so, it's a beautiful event. It was a beautiful like a family event. Reunion. Really and and yeah. the second one feels like a family reunion to me. So it's like, it really does. Well, everybody come out. <laughs> yes. Awesome. LJ, thank you so much. We're looking forward to the next one. Um, and if they haven't, if you haven't read or finished The Painted Daisies, definitely dive into that. And it was it's beautifully bingeable because everything is out. Um, all the books are out. The audio will be out soon. And it, it really is a beautifully bingeable series with little tie-ins and little Easter eggs because then you got to go find all the other things. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much you. for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Good night. Thank you. Good night.
Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you.